0: Hello and welcome back to the Elevate Music podcast in partnership with Help Musicians. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this podcast I talk to artists and musicians about some of the challenges they face in their work along with leading experts who offer advice and guidance. So many musicians are still unable to work and perform, so we wanted to focus this episode on songwriters and composers who may still be able to continue working at the moment. A couple of years ago, I was invited by the PRS Members Fund to give a presentation on the physical and mental issues that music creators experience. Surprisingly, despite a huge amount of research about the challenges facing instrumentalists and singers and how to support them, there was nothing about the problems songwriters or composers face or how they could be supported in their work. Since then, this has been an area of particular interest for me. So in this episode, we're gonna be finding out what the issues are for music creators. I'll be speaking to a media composer, Benji Merrison, a professional songwriter, Pete Glenister, and Athena Pite from the PRS Members Fund. They're going to tell us what it's like to be a music creator, what the difficulties are, how you break into the industry, and where you can go to access support. To begin, let's hear from Benji Merrison, a media composer who also runs the Composers Wellbeing Collective. Could you start by telling me a bit about what you do?
1: I'm a composer, so I... I write music for, for film and TV programmes. I've worked across, you know, various different genres and media over the years from sort of ads, but, but now primarily focused on TV series and, and films. So how do you manage that?
0: Is it quite a stressful job, do you find?
1: Yes. And, you know, over the years, there's been a number of different you know, issues which I've learned personally to deal with and also from speaking to fellow composers I've, I've noted that there's been certain things that are common across the board so it's quite a solitary job I guess you know that's one of the main issues there are problems with time pressures and that sort of thing creative issues I guess learning to manage that you know the classic questions of what do you do if you get stuck I can't come up with an idea well you know over the years you develop ways of finding a reference point I guess of a time when you could come up with ideas and try and you know get yourself in that mindset so yeah there are a number of issues that I've experienced over the years for sure.
0: So just breaking that down a bit you said it's quite solitary how does that affect you?
1: You know I think a lot of composers and musicians in general are quite you know so we, we like being in a sort of group you know we've often grown up playing in bands or orchestras that kind of thing So suddenly when you enter the industry and effectively the industry sort of says, right, now you're going to sit in a room on your own for 20 years and without much input and feedback often, then it it can throw up issues for, for that individual for sure. On a basic level, you know, just the fact you're working with music means it's hard to be in a room with other people. So we tend to sort of scurry off into our own little holes to make the music. You said there about not much feedback. Do you find, is it quite a structured working environment
0: or do you feel like you are kind of left alone to get on with it and there isn't really much support for that side of
1: things? It really depends on on the production itself and what you're working on. But often, I mean, it is one of those jobs where you have to be incredibly self-motivated. No one's going to give you kind of, you know, daily deadlines or anything like that. I mean, I guess it again, it depends on the media because if you are working on an ad, there might be okay, it needs to be done by Monday or Wednesday or that kind of thing, but certainly bigger series films, things like that you you act, you have to structure your own time
0: so you've obviously recently set up the composer's Wellbeing Collective. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: A group of us a sort of collective, we decided to start this support network, I suppose, just to try and open the conversation about what pressures. Composers, media composers, and indeed, it, it, we are hoping to incorporate or encompass classical composition as well. Hopefully, it could be that kind of central support network that all composers can go to and, and spread out into the wider kind of advice that's out there. We've got quite a few things on YouTube that we've done conversations around these issues. So, if anyone's interested, please do go and check that out. We've just really started the conversation at the moment, and yeah, at the moment it's peer to peer, but we are trying to grow our network and work with people like Help Musicians and, uh, and other networks to, to find a way to channel some of the um, the issues. I mean, we're h- hoping to try and sort of support some of those people who might just fall off the bottom of the, rung, the ladder and also those further on in their career because there can be pressures at any point in your career, you know, even if you think, oh, you've made it or you're, you're, you're far along, actually that can create its own stresses and pressures, you know, it's sometimes quite extreme. I think it's this, the fact that rejection never really goes, you know, and if you combine that with a solitary working, then it can, over the years, I think, get to you, you know, it's um, constant rejection and putting in, you know, effectively quite a lot of time into something and then getting nothing back for it and financial pressures, time-based pressure. I mean, I think that the further you go in your career, sometimes the, there's even more pressure to deliver to absolute the highest standard every single time. The writing of the music is kind of the easy bit in a way, you know, it's the rest of it, which can be tricky. It's a kind of political job, you know, it's managing different personalities. Often, if you are recording orchestras and stuff, working out logistics and project management, how that even works, you know, conforming edits as that, you know, as they come in and change constantly changing so the the thing that you hear on tv or film is often you know in a way 10 15 percent of the work because all the rest of it's been done behind the scenes
0: could you tell me about any health and well-being issues that you've had personally in your career
1: there's a physical side of things of you know sitting down a lot and trying to, to, to to combat that i make sure now i ring fence quite a bit of time in the morning suits me where I, I sort of almost have my commute, but I'll go and do some exercise or go for a walk or something because my studio is at the back of my garden where my house is. So I kind of have to almost go somewhere to get into a different headspace and then I'm in the headspace to work. You know, I think over the years I've experienced fairly extreme pressure from taking on too many projects, for example, because I felt the need to... Do those projects because if I, you know, obviously there's a financial side of things, but also there's a kind of I didn't want to let that client go, you know, because I thought, well, then someone else will get that opportunity and they won't come back to me. So and that would put a huge amount of pressure. I mean, there was one particular time I I think, you know, I can't remember how many projects have six or seven projects on at the same time all of differing types, but, you know, relative some relatively big high-profile things along with some adverts and things like that. And I, I just, I remember specifically getting into the studio and I didn't know what I was working on. And I just, you know, I felt a huge amount of anxiety over that period. And I think I remember at the time thinking, I have to do something about this, you know. And it wasn't doing me any good whatsoever. Let's, you know, let's put it like that. But I, from speaking to other composers well, I know that they've been in similar pickles and situations. And at those times, because there is no one, there's just no one you can talk to, at least without having a bigger network of people. Whereas if, if you do... You know, I think it just gives you that release valve. So in my situation, you know, it did spill out a little bit into the relationships around me. And thankfully, I've I've managed to, you know, come through that period. But I think, you know, I I know from other composers that there have been periods like that for them that have caused problems to a greater or lesser extent. You can kind of talk to your family, but unless they really understand about the creative process as well and, and you know, it's quite a specific set of skills, I think. so. That's why I've, you know, now I'm very grateful to have a number of other composers that I, you know, I regard as friends and I can talk to. And I would encourage any younger composers to try and build that network alongside other organisations like Help Musicians, Composer Wellbeing Collective and the Ivers. You know, all of these things can provide, you know, a similar type of network and support, but not to get in that kind of pickle, basically, because it can happen very easily.
0: Before you were talking about the support that you get from your colleagues, your your fellow composers, what other support would you like to see for songwriters and composers?
1: I think there's a lot of areas. It's quite a big question, really. And in a way, that's kind of why we set up the Composer Wellbeing Collective to to explore, you know, not just my or the other collective members, but, but the wider network of composers and understand the full range of issues to sort of almost to know what the support network should look like or could look like but on a personal level i would like to see you know a body trying to you know formalize some of the support so provide almost like a telephone help desk or something to especially for younger composers you know it's like someone that you could go okay this is my issue because they probably they will be able to then channel that into you know this area or that area but um Yeah, so some kind of obvious support network and also a way of composers getting together with other composers. I know there are meetups and things like that, but it feels, I think, maybe it's changed now, but when I was certainly starting out, it didn't feel like there was anything that was like impartial at all. All the organisations felt like whilst they were doing great work, there was a kind of agenda there. So I think that, again, that was the kind of idea with the Composer Wellbeing Collective is that it was totally impartial. There was no like commercial or political angle on it. It was just like literally composers helping composers. What advice would you give to anyone starting out now? I speak to quite a few sort of younger composers, you know, at the start of their journeys. And there's a number of questions which do come up, you know, the most obvious, which is, you know, how, how do you make money out of the thing? And, you know, if I knew the answer to that, I probably wouldn't bother with composing. i have just released the book and, or the franchise. Don't expect it to happen straight away. Most people just kind of grind their way through the system and then get mini breaks along the way I think everyone's journey is different that's what I would say is it it almost feels sort of churlish to give my decree of how to do it because the way I did it would, would be very different from other people but I think the common traits are kind of tenacity and just be prepared to do stuff that you're not you know maybe is not the best to start with just you know do what you can do to start to get some income coming in you know and at least you're building up your repertoire of skills and working with clients and, and that so a lot of some young composers that I'm chat to seem to want to do the sort of high-end stuff straight away which is great you know everyone wants to do that but maybe consider doing some some smaller things to start with that are paid and just build your way up and build your skills.
0: That was Benji Merrison and if you want to find out more about the Composer's Wellbeing Collective we've listed the website in the show notes. This episode of the Elevate Music podcast is supported by Help Musicians, an independent charity that's been supporting musicians for nearly 100 years. Through an integrated programme of health and welfare, creative funding opportunities and business support, the charity offers a lifetime of support when it's needed most. For more information on Help Musicians or to find out how to access support, visit helpmusicians.org.uk. Pete Glenister is a professional songwriter and has worked with some of the biggest names in pop. On top of this, he's also a fully trained doctor and advises on mental health for the PRS Members Fund. I spoke to Pete about some of the challenges of the job and the importance of a good support network. In your work personally as a songwriter, what are some of the issues that you've experienced or seen in your peers?
2: The music business is a roller coaster for everybody. I mean, I don't know any artist no matter how famous, that haven't had their ups and downs, I suppose. And the problem with music, I, I guess it is with many professions, but the, the ups and downs are both in terms of artistic success and failure and financial reward and not reward. And in the music business, particularly for for writers, they they tend to go together. It's a very stressful thing. It seems such a capricious business, you know, things turn on a sixpence between success and failure. And as a songwriter often stuck at home on your own, that can be quite hard at times. And I've seen that for myself and and for my friends.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about the process of going out and getting work? And you said things can turn on a sixpence. Is that in terms of the decisions of the people who who are choosing the music? Or can you tell me a bit more about that?
2: It just often goes on one person's opinion and say-so of work you've done as to whether something you're very invested in and think is brilliant gets used or gets binned sometimes forever, you know. That's very hard to take, especially when it's often at such distance. Often you're two or three stages removed as a songwriter and you only hear via someone, via someone else, that the song you thought was going to get recorded by a huge artist suddenly just isn't, and then... It's just the end of the story, you know.
0: So how do you keep your morale high during those periods?
2: <laughs> I guess it's your network and your mafia within, within the business is, is very important. And it's one of the things that we've been beginning to look at with a members fund, I guess, is providing little forums for where people can go to exchange their experience. Because I mean, it's the same for everybody, you know, however successful they may be. And just to be able to interact with other people and share experiences and, and not to let it get you too much. I mean, that, it's a very hard thing to do, but uh, you have to be quite strong.
0: So we heard from Benji before, and Benji's obviously a media composer. What do you think is similar about both of your roles? And what do you think is different?
2: Often, songwriting can be based around relationships, musical relationships. <laughs> I've had some long and very fruitful and satisfying musical relationships with artists you know often as a songwriter you can be like a a sort of right-hand man and you can be writing and producing an artist and i've had that relationship with a number of artists that i've worked with and that can be a much safer environment if you like when you have a strong relationship with somebody and you know your friends as well as co-writers And you spent often many miles together on tour and that can be quite securing and good for your mental well-being. The sort of more jobbing songwriter aspect is much more in the lap of the gods and can get at your mental health a lot more.
0: I'm sure there may be young wannabe songwriters who are listening to this thinking, wow, that artist gig sounds great. Like, how do I go about forging those relationships and being able to have that kind of um, experience? How did that evolve for you? How did you get into the position where you forged those great relationships with artists?
2: Well, I started out in a band, I guess, guess as most people do. I started out being the sort of the main songwriter in my band. We got signed. Uh, We did a couple of albums for CBS that didn't really do much. And through that, I, you know, developed a little uh, network of friends, and they led me to other situations where I just met people, I met artists. And I ended up, you know, starting out more as a musician than a songwriter, and then getting into situations where I would be in someone's band, and then would co-write with them, because, you know, we got on kind of thing. And... It sort of went from there. And I, I imagine a lot of people get into it like that. I didn't get into it just starting as a songwriter, just writing songs and sending them out to people. It was predominantly from those relationships. You know, I had a publishing deal and I did, well, the Americans call it writing for the wall, where you just write a song, send it to your publisher and hope. What I found was as I got better connected and working with some big artists, it added credibility to that strand of my work mm-hmm. so that people would more attention to when someone walked in with one of my songs because there was a bit of a story about what else I was doing. And I had a couple of good breaks where I worked with artists that were huge at the time, and that meant that my songs that I'd written for the wall got looked at more seriously, you know, and then got recorded more that way. Most of what I've done has been with artists, actually, rather than just for the wall.
0: So how difficult is it for young songwriters to break into the industry now, do you think?
2: There are things that are easier and things that are harder. I mean the great thing right now is you don't need anyone to be able to get your your material out there it's quite possible just build your visibility up online as a straight songwriter i guess that's harder but if you're you know an artist and a songwriter you can get your material out that way and build your visibility as a straight songwriter it's all about relationships it really is about who you know i would think if you're just a straight songwriter. You just need to get into as many situations as you can get into. because You just don't know where they're going to lead.
0: You mentioned before about how you're really interested in mental health and through your work previously as a doctor. Can you tell me a little bit about how that plays into your role as a trustee in the PRS
2: Members Fund? Well, it's something relatively new. Traditionally, we didn't used to get involved in this area too much, usually, I mean, our terms of reference are defined by need. And need, as we used to assess it, was much more to do with the problems of physical illness often, and people just falling off the end, really, at the end of their careers, getting to retirement age and having nothing to live on. And increasingly, we've been trying to pull our umbrella to embrace mental health, particularly as... Mental health provision, I think, by the NHS now is very, very difficult and you know it involves long waiting lists and very short, quick fix kind of solutions, which don't really address people's problems in, in the long term. So where we've identified need is in plugging those gaps. And often, particularly for younger people, I think they find it very hard to access mental health help. The problem is the assessment of mental health is quite tricky and to have a reliable assessment system to judge your entry point into any situation. And we've been cooperating with HMUK in trying to identify a way of treating this at the moment. Having said that, we do already help people with established diagnoses with their long-term mental health problems. And I think increasingly we'll be spending a large portion of our budget on those issues as well as more physical health.
0: And I think, you know, if we look at the research that existed before the pandemic, we could see that musicians were experiencing really high levels of mental challenges and, and mental illness. And obviously now with what's been happening over the last year, I mean, it's going to be a huge issue. How are you adapting or changing your support to reflect that over the next sort of 12 months or so?
2: There's two strands, really. There's the ERF, Emergency Relief Fund, strands where people who wouldn't normally be in anything like this kind of trouble are being hit so hard by the pandemic financially, and we're endeavouring to provide some support for them. We've done two big payouts so far. We're about to do another one in January. There's always that long lag between the Christmas payment and the April payment, and usually you end up having to pay your tax in that gap as well. So we're going to help people in that period. And that's just a support payment for people whose income has collapsed. We are beginning to see more people coming in in our normal run of business, if you like. And we feel particularly coming up to Christmas and with the second lockdown, we're going to see a lot more people coming in needing support. We haven't seen a massive increase yet, I have to say. Although we are busier than we, we have been in the past, it remains to be seen over the next period how that cranks up. The mental health effects often are quite slow in development and, and long-lasting. So I expect to be seeing more and more over the next months.
0: That was Pete Glenister, and in Pete's role as a trustee, he often works with our next guest, Athena Pite, who is the Welfare and Development Officer for the PRS Members Fund. Athena told me about the incredible support the fund offers PRS members, from financial help with heating bills over the winter months, home visits, places to live, and more. Let's hear from Athena know one of the things that you and I have spoken about in the past is the lack of research that exists into the specific issues that songwriters and composers experience. I wondered if you could tell me what the main issues are that you see in your work.
3: So we've noticed an increasing trend of younger members applying, either due to illness or other life crises, causing loss of work, risk of homelessness and increasing debt levels. And these in turn have intensified people's experiences of anxiety, ended up with a diagnosis of depression, or even leading to further alcohol use. And of course, since the lockdown, these issues have become even more prevalent. We know that there's a lot of research out there, both generally, for example, the 2016 Joseph Roundtree study noted that poverty increases the risk of mental health problems And can be both a causal factor and a consequence of mental ill health. So I think the range of support that is needed to help people through a period of crisis, as well as help them develop more resilience to the challenges that I think music creators face in this very, very competitive environment.
0: And so Benji spoke about some other issues that that he faced as a songwriter. Did you sort of identify with some of the topics that he was talking about in terms of the work that you do?
3: Yes, most definitely. And and, and I think that we know that there is heightened vulnerability, I think, for any person that is self-employed that has to be very self-directed in what in what they do and their experiences of rejection, the financial pressure can all lead to feeling further isolated and lonely and that in turn will impact on their creativity and then if, if an individual can't then be creative that then has a knock-on impact on the work that they're able to generate. A lot of our traditional applicants and beneficiaries were of an older age group, and their experience of being a music creator then is almost unrecognisable to what you need to be able to do now. You need to be also able to know how to manage yourself in in a way that perhaps you may not have had to get into in the sixties or the seventies. You might have had somebody taking care of all of that for you. You need to be so business savvy, I think, as a music creator today.
0: Could you tell me a little bit more about the sort of financial landscape of a songwriter and composer, because I would imagine there are probably some people listening who are really struggling to to, to get that consistency with their income. This is a really common thing for songwriters and composers, is it?
3: I, I think certainly in terms of the, the the nature of the applicants that that we experience, I think that is definitely um, a huge obstacle to them being able to find ways of saving enough to help them through the next patch one of the things that we do offer is actually career change coaching so that an individual can identify their skill set as a means of exploring potential additional sources of employment we're not saying don't be a music creator anymore we're saying look if it's difficult for you to sustain a good enough living as a music creator are there other things that you might be able to do to generate an income that will also allow you to continue to do the work that you want to do. We work with a couple of career change coaches. So again, when somebody applies to the fund, depending on their specific situation, we might offer that to them or talk to them about whether or not that's something that they'd like to explore in in more detail.
0: And going back to the erratic income, is there anything that can be done to support the music creators with that kind of lifestyle in terms of financial planning or do you know are you able to support them with that
3: We have a direct referral partnership with Step Change which is a UK debt management and budget planning organisation and so we can signpost people to them and based on their very specific income and expenditure advice and suggestions will be provided as to whether or not they can set up various payment plans. If they are in debt, those debtors can be written to or the templates and letters are provided directly by Step Change in order to come to some manageable payment plan. So I think, you know, quite often People think, oh, I don't need a budget plan. But actually, if you go down that route, it could be enormously illuminating when you realise, ah, I hadn't thought that I could do that. And even simple things like getting your credit card transferred over to a 0% credit card so that you're not having to pay interest. There are some 0% credit cards that are available to people with a very poor credit score because that's the other issue, is quite often some things aren't accessible to people that don't have a very good credit score. So again, we can provide that service through our partnership with Step Change.
0: So we've spoken so far about songwriters and composers generally, but I wondered if you could tell me a bit about some of the work um, that the fund has done this year in the pandemic and some of the problems that you've seen.
3: I mean, even before the pandemic, we knew that working in the music industry really impacted mental health and there was already a heightened vulnerability in terms of unpredictable income and the lockdown and current state of play has just escalated that. So in March of this year the Emergency Relief Fund was launched as a joint venture of the fund with PRS for Music and the PRS Foundation and that was to provide immediate short-term relief to member writers experiencing hardship as a result of everything that had been cancelled and everything that had gone on during COVID. And it was set up to quickly provide grants to those most affected until benefits or other government income could be sorted And we ran two phases. The first one was in March and the second one was in May. And we issued grants of nearly £2 million. And it was an incredible achievement, all of which was in addition to our existing day-to-day fund work. And I have to say that I think across the industry as a whole, it was just very, very uplifting to see how different organisations were pulling together to provide much needed immediate relief to people in the music industry, who I think, along with hospitality, have been the most severely affected, actually, in terms of loss of income. We also found that a number of um, people that applied to us have been unable to access NHS treatment. So we either referred them on to BAPAN, another one of our partners, the British Association of Performing Arts Medicine, so that they could get virtually assessed and receive any online input for therapeutic reasons, We also did provide funding for people to access therapy. We did find that some of the applicants that came to us during the ERF, their mental health problems, which had kind of, if you like, had been managed up to the point of COVID, had then started to be re-triggered. And they were specifically asking, for instance, if they could have sessions with the Therapist that they had seen, I think, three years previously. And so after, you know, looking at all of the information and circumstances around that, the fund agreed to fund that. So it's been very varied. We've had applicants that were at risk of being evicted, relationship breakdowns. Again, you know, I, I think like the rest of the country, you don't have to be in the music industry to experience some of those things. But I think that they were particularly focused and very intensified for that group.
0: And so if there are any music creators who are listening, who are going through a tough time at the moment, could you tell me what is currently on offer from the PRS Members Fund and how they might be able to access that support over the coming sure, months?
3: Sure. I think it's worth being clear at this point that our main criteria for support is whether someone is affected by illness, accident or age-related condition. What the fund can't do ordinarily is substitute for lack of earnings, for example, if someone is unable to sustain a living as a songwriter or composer, but we know that at the moment during the pandemic, it's definitely a slightly different situation. We also can't provide support for anything directly related to music creation, i.e for example, equipment or studio costs. The PRS Foundation or Help Musicians are the places to go for that. And we would always signpost them on to other organisations that are directly concerned with that. And applicants do need to have been a PRS member for at least seven years or have earned £500 in royalties. I think part of the very valuable work the fund does is to take off the practical pressures of paying bills or clearing debts, and ensuring that people know where to access other support and information that's relevant to their circumstances. We can be contacted by phone, through an email address, through downloading the application form. And I would say that if someone is not sure, as you know, providing they are a PRS member, and they have met the £500 or seven-year criteria, and they're really struggling with something. I think we're trying to be as responsive as possible to the situation that music creators are finding themselves in during this pandemic. So I would just say, apply to us. If we can't help you directly, we would just never say, no, you're not eligible. We would always find a way to provide further information to perhaps help you take the next step to access the support that you need.
0: We'd love to hear from music creators about the challenges you've faced and whether you've accessed help from the PRS Members Fund. Send us an email at elevatemusicpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at elevatemusicpod. And remember, there's still a lot of support and funding still available and we've got a comprehensive list of how you can access it in the show notes. Thank you to Benji, Pete and Athena for speaking to me and if you have suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover over the next few months please do let us know. You've been listening to the Elevate Music podcast with me Lucy Heyman and if you would like to find out more about my research and work have a look at lucyheyman.com. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Listen Entertainment in partnership with Help Musicians, an independent charity which provides essential and enduring support to make a meaningful difference to the lives of professional musicians. Thank you for listening. Remember to check out our show notes and visit helpmusicians.org.uk if you need some help. In the meantime, take care and we'll be back with another episode in two weeks.